welcome back to another episode of Podcast for Two People. I am Brent. I'm Tyler. And, uh, you know, we're back. We're back. You know, it's been a little bit. Been a little bit. Um, we had a fun time with Deep Red. Yeah. For those of you keeping up. Um, but now we gotta get depressing again. <laughs> so it's the nature yeah. of the beast. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we're restarting this episode. <laughs> no, no. We'll, I said the one thing. One take, one take. I said the thing. One take. Uh, yes, today we bring to you, well, we're gonna tell you about The Beast, also known as The Beast of War. Um, came out in 1988. It's an American film. Directed by Kevin Reynolds, um, based on the screenplay or play written by uh, William Mastro Simone, uh, who wrote the play uh, Nawatai or Nanawatai. Nanawatai. Sorry, or Nanawatai. Nanawatai. There we go. Yeah. There's a whole scene where he's learning how to pronounce it, and I fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's basically which is the. Um, code of like protection of sanctuary yeah. that someone can invoke uh, even an enemy can do that and still by the code would have to be uh, protected and yeah. um, it's, fed it's like the uh, code of Ali Ali Oxen free <laughs> yeah. you touch the tree you cannot be tagged <laughs> Yeah, just such as you, it's you like, claim Nanawate and you, you cannot be fragged. You can't get like gutted or shot up or yeah, unless you're a rapist or an adulterer. It does not. It does not apply to that. I believe that that's the same rule for tag. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I remember those playground days. But no, you can't. You're a raper. <laughs> you're getting tagged. You dumb. You idiot. And then the teachers would come like, hey, cut that out. That's the sound of getting tagged. Yeah, and then probably home forever. (laughs) So the people in this film (laughs) are led by tank commander of the Soviet T-55, Daskal, played by George Zunza. Zunza? Zunza, that's a a strange name. There's a lot of words that are very hard for our American tongues. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to not go so well. You're probably going to cringe. Uh, I would I would say, you know what? We cannot be held responsible. Yeah, or you can just angrily email us and <laughs> just be like, you, you fucking dumb, halfwit. You idiot, you dumb bitch. Yeah. So, Daskal and his tank men. Uh, tank men are Golikov. Tank boys. Yeah, tank boys. Hey, there's a reference. Uh, Golikov, played by Stephen Baldwin. Kaminsky, played by Don Harvey. Samad, who is played by Eric Avari and Konstantin. Played by Jason Patrick. Uh, Who, uh, uh, Patrick Heads will probably remember him from Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah, versus Willem Dafoe. As, as, as the role that Keanu had to bow out, he was like, No way, man, I'm not doing Speed 2, okay? Was it that, or was it the fact that Keanu Reeves has, like, a big uh, adversity for uh, Willem Dafoe's giant mouth? You know, it's a good question. Yeah. I, yeah, you know some Hollywood secrets are meant to remain. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, well, you you might remember him from a uh, Green Green Groblin. So yeah, uh, these these. I'm tank somewhat men. of a tank commander myself. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm tank sorry. men 
uh, were <coughs> kind of like leading a push against uh, the Mujahideen um, insurgents. It was just this kind of all-out warfare where they were just torching places. Yeah, did we mention it takes place during the uh, Soviet-Afghan War? That's the whole thing, yeah, That's man. the whole thing. Fucking We're awful. literally introduced to them as they level... A village. A village and pretty much slaughter anybody who gets in their way. Yeah, uh, pretty mercilessly, whether by uh, tank rounds and machine gun fire. To or cyanide and gas. Cyanide and gas. To and good old-fashioned getting ran over. Yeah, uh, poisoning the water source, making it completely inhospitable for anyone, whether you are innocent or not. Um, and the Mujahideen freedom fighters are led by a newly appointed Kantaj after that point. And Kantaj is played by uh, Stephen Bauer, as well as his uh, troublesome cousin who has more radical views than him. Uh, they do not see eye to eye whatsoever. And in fact, the first time that these two characters are on screen... He has to, um, like, restrain himself from shooting him. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> It's it's uh, something that we're going to get into, I think, maybe towards the end when we're doing some kind of in-depth comparisons and looks. But uh, his cousin, Mustafa, is played by Kaim Jirafi. Uh, and most of this is all kind of taking place around uh, one of many valleys near the city of Kandahar. And uh, ends in a dead end, which forces the tank group to have to turn back all the way through the valley, uh, which, of course, they know nothing about the area. And that search for respite is just wrought with danger at every turn. I gotta say real quick, like in the beginning, I just how especially cruel it is to throw just a can of cyanide down a well. Uh, really, really lackadaisical about it, too. I mean, like... Just peel the top I mean, that's. I it. mean, that's just, like picking one out of a list of like uh war Terrible crimes. atrocities yeah but just like anybody who drinks from it not not an insurgent it could be a child yeah you know just an old man someone just like who's been wandering Thirsty. looking for something yeah don't drink yeah just not even realizing Your own countrymen that, not even re- yeah not even realizing that uh yeah that the water is very poisoned yeah, and uh, to poison just like literally any and all water sources you it, come across it, it, it in the desert. Like that whole that and yeah, now that whole area is just like inhabitable now. Yep, uninhabitable, I should say. Yeah, and the wildlife, you know, like all the endemic life around uh, is going to be poisoned and killed. Um, you want to talk about salting the earth? That is the modern take on that mm-hmm. burning and salting the earth so that nothing can grow. That is. You know, it's 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 modern warfare at its fucking worst. It is the ugliest portion of it. Um, just yeah, not really caring for any sort of uh, civilian or innocent lives. And these are the people we follow throughout this whole movie. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful fucking band of heroes. So of course this uh, this kind of warfare is uh, how they operate for the entire film. Just as uh, Brennan said, these are the people that we we follow. These are our characters, our main characters. We have no heroes uh, to actually follow in this whole thing. The whole war is sometimes referenced as the Russian-Vietnam War, or to us over here in the West, uh, some historians will actually reference it as the bear trap. You know, obviously, Russia and bears, of course, which... um, 
oddly enough, who would who would have thought that such a terrible long like nine years roughly war alongside the um, Chernobyl incident would actually aid in the downfall of the Soviet Union? Uh, wow. Yeah, they were probably just burgeoning at every side as a country in paying for this whole thing. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't really know what to add to that. It's just like, talk about taking L's. Yeah, talk about taking L's, which Russia has just been doing for, for years. But uh, that's kind of another thing that I want to talk about towards the end there. So, uh, Brent, why not why not kind of um, enlighten our listeners to the uh, travels and perils that our, that our tank group kind of went through without, say, giving away too much? Um, Entice them, give them some morsels, some brake fluid to wash it down with. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, uh, you have a, a commander who's pretty much revealed to be insane. Yeah. But you just kind of realize how far gone he is throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, booby traps that backfire. A lot of booby trapping, which uh, another historical tidbit, apparently the uh, Russian army when they were invading Afghanistan, left behind, or at least laid down, who knows how many are left, millions of mines. Millions. No exact number to be certain. And you'd have to assume that there's still probably some out there today. Yes. I know, uh, like, farmers still dig up shells. Yeah. Like, unexploded ordnance from, like, World War One in, yeah. like, France. Yeah. Over 100 years later. How terrifying is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's awful. And uh it's just gonna continue to be a thing, you know, as long as we wage war like that. And uh it's either that or, you know, whole hospitals and buildings are leveled by drone forces. Again, just something so uh, especially cruel. Yep. It's like after a long enough period of time, it's like, yeah, it's it's gonna do much more collateral damage, which yeah. is a nice way of saying civilian murder. Yeah, exactly. Then you know, uh, taking out uh, combatants. Yeah, and so like our our tank group, they end up getting separated from the uh, majority of this tank force um, in a valley near the city of Kandahar. Real uh, quick, I like to yeah. talk about it now. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. Okay. I you know that's on me, but. Uh, we see they're following a tank, one of yeah. their own. Mm-hmm. It takes left, and then the commander just insists to take right. To take it right. Why? Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't even quite like hit that either. I believe it's Constantine who was driving. Yes, and Jason he's Patrick's, like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, like, okay. Yep. And then um, that sends the rest of the 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 uh, rest of the events in motion, depicted in this film in motion. Yeah. Uh, and as they take that right, they're spotted by some Mujahideen fires and uh, <clears throat> kind of uh, start getting tracked. Right, yeah, after after they had uh, kind of surveyed the loss and damage of the village. Mm-hmm. After they have declared that they absolutely will not stop without receiving Badal, which is blood for blood or just revenge for the uh, atrocities that they unleashed on this village. Um so they, they start tracking this tank, and now they believe that they're on um, what probably seemed to them as like a hajj, like this uh, kind of holy quest mm-hmm. to destroy this tank. And um, 
they they find all sorts of uh, kind of like holy signs. They they meet a holy man making a fire in the desert, who uh, has a prophecy given to him by the prophet uh, to help them destroy the tank. Uh, they just are without end. They they track this tank down, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of fun. At one point, Constantine kind of talks about how. Um, the Mujahideen fighters don't seem to run on petrol, water, or food, or anything that he can really fathom. And they just keep following and keep following and keep following. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, like, they're, they're at least, they're one man down, I believe, and attempts to uh, kill the Mujahideen fighters that have been tailing them for a couple days in the, in the desert. I almost said forest. <laughs> it's literally the opposite. Um... <laughs> have have all but failed absolute and utterly and and so they just kind of they're at their wits end and the captain starts to show his true colors uh especially after that late night where they're all camping they get ambushed one of them takes a, a gunshot but he's he's still okay and they're like oh shit we left all of our water and food back at camp we need to go back and get it and the captain's just like no we stay in the tank we're safe here yeah. We're safe in the tank. The <laughs> tank is life. The tank is love. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when you'd want to talk about it, but... Yeah, the character of Samad, I feel like, is just a very, very tragic character without giving away too much. Yeah, there's... Um, you just know off the bat, it's just like, oh, this guy is not going to succeed here. No. No. It's too bad, yeah. Like, he's, uh, if we were supposed to have a hero at all, it would be Constantine in this, uh, in this film. Uh, Constantine and Samad get along pretty well. They teach each other about each other's cultures. Uh, it's revealed to you that Samad's son is in a, uh, kind of education program out in Moscow. And, uh, therefore, Samad is working on getting his Russian citizenship. Uh, by doing time with the Russian military. Well, yeah, it wasn't um, the rebels were in opposition to, like, a, a Soviet coup. Yes. And which, well, yeah, which the Soviets were in power, so, you know, he said he was, you know, a party member, uh, Samad. Yes, uh, and that whole thing was the more or less the quote-unquote modernization of Afghanistan, the bringing into the fold of uh, the Communist Party, uh, with their election of uh, Kamal, uh, which they were trying to force in Afghanistan, while at the same exact time there was a Democratic National Party and the Mujahideen fighters that opposed this that were also aided by the CIA, of course, us, the the U.S. Yeah, there's so a everyone had their fucking there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, that um, it is a messy fucking conflict. Yeah, that uh, I don't. Th- <laughs> That uh, we we would probably be like three episodes deep, trying to explain all that. Yeah, and I will be I will be absolutely honest. Uh, I think that I can speak for both of us, and that we don't know enough about this conflict to actually tell you what was uh, what was exactly going on. Yeah, and who was in the right or wrong. All <laughs> we know and understand is that when innocent people die, it's wrong, and other countries shouldn't be sticking their fingers in another country and trying to force their own agenda on the people. 
that's about it. When when Afghanistan was in the <laughs> middle of a civil war, everyone had an opinion as to how that was supposed to go, and uh, everyone suffered for it. And uh, so Samad is kind of um, one of the one of the people affected by that and trying to make the best of it. In that he sees hope in this sort of uh, Soviet future of Afghanistan, and. Um, He's trying to do his part and uh, trying to be seen as a Russian citizen. But the thing is, is that the captain, uh, Daskal, literally only sees the enemy when he sees Samad. Like, probably a race, like a racist thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or just a very deep distrust of any Afghan, which probably In Afghan doubles territory. back to racism. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, we even get a little bit of a note when... Um, he talks about everything that he did for Russia uh, in Stalingrad when, you know, he was uh, dumping grenades and Molotovs on, on tanks and stuff like that and uh, infiltrating tanks in order to sabotage them and uh, at the age of eight, no less. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty intense seeing... Uh, I gotta seeing wonder, I mean... It's, like, do you just make that up? Or, like, is there, like, a very specific individual story that they're pulling from there yeah being lowered down from buildings by ropes by other people uh because he's what so small and probably easy to hold and everything like that you know and then uh, literally just like dumping explosives on tanks as a as a child yeah you know it's it, that's just insane to me um that does have me pretty curious as well now uh, I think it was in that idea uh, and kind of respect that um, one of our listeners, uh, Nick, thanks again for uh, actually posing this video to, or this uh, movie rather, to us to actually watch and uh, kind of unpack. Yeah, I can't say I would have watched it unless I, I was literally not aware until I'd finally read the email yeah. that he sent us. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's kind of... I'd be hard-pressed to find many people like Nick that knew the Beast or Beast of War actually existed as it lost uh, around about $7.9 million at the box office uh, back in 88. And, um, you know, it's uh, it follows a Soviet uh, tank group fighting against uh, the Mujahideen in the 80s in and and, and that was that was released in America. Yeah, um, which <laughs> maybe our younger listeners might not know this, but yeah. uh, uh, American attitude towards Russians and Soviets at that time was not very friendly. Yeah. Not very friendly at all. In fact, if you were friendly, uh, you were probably like ostracized. Mhm. Mm uh you know, yeah, othered, othered, <laughs> and, uh, and the uh, the news presence also had you favoring the Mujahideen uh, people. You know, like the insurgents, uh, the Mujahideen uh, movement. Uh, I mean, we could even say like Rambo, <laughs> the message at the end of the what is that? Rambo two, three, three. Yeah, dedicated to the brave <laughs> Mujahideen fighters. Yeah, that they had to go and like digitally alter for mm -hmm. the uh, like more uh, post nine eleven. Uh, releases of that yeah yeah you know when when you arm individuals with an idea and weapons and then when you are found to uh also not really have their best interests in mind then they go and make their own ideas 
Um, add another page to the CIA uh, oops files. Yeah, but the oops files. But yeah, so Nick originally had uh, kind of presented this film to us uh, and the idea to do an episode on it because he um, saw this kind of comparison of perhaps Daskal is the vision of Alex from Come and See all grown up. Um, and I both agree and disagree with that. And I thought that that was a really there interesting certain, there thing. There certainly to are um, similarities. Just yeah. a child broken by war. Mm-hmm. What what becomes of that child, child. after? If he were to live yeah. a full, uh, not a full life, an empty, broken, awful, but long life. Where, like, yeah, all you have is, like, the party and then more war. Yeah. I saw Alex as uh, kind of going forward and uh, probably doing suicide by war, moving to the front lines to essentially just uh, do as much damage as he can before catching a bullet in the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, and because he had he had nothing to live for, but also Brent kind of reminded me also, uh, he, was a, he was a bit of a simple child. He, um, there was something off about him, uh, whether he was definitely whether he had some sort of mental disorder yeah or if he just didn't have the comprehension uh that he should of a child of oh i don't know 14 you know pretty sure uh, that's how old he was yeah uh it seemed more like he had the comprehension of a child that was five with this kind of over glorification and romanticism of uh patriotism and what it means to be a soldier and so we see Daskal talking about when he's in that frantic moment in the tank, talking about, you know, dropping these Molotovs and grenades on Nazi tanks in Stalingrad. He's like, I wasn't thinking about me. I don't think for myself. I think for my country. My mother did not think for herself. She thought for her country, so on and so forth. He goes down the list. And it's like, okay, so now this man uh, commands a uh, tank, you know, uh like a tank group squad i don't i'm not entirely certain of the uh the 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 correct nomenclature there but uh he he oversees people and gives them orders tank commander yeah uh well the group of people within he is a tank uh, commander but crew yeah sure uh yes this crew so it's uh it's it's pretty awful to have someone that comes from a background like that uh not be able to really escape war because that is not the nature of your country yeah if you want to be like super poetic about it you could say you know he he died back there oh yeah absolutely he fucking definitely did yeah certainly the uh child he was died in stalingrad yeah and we get to see um towards the end of the film we do get to see Daskal. uh just completely uh just fucked up after everything uh, I mean, smeared with smoke and grease and everything, just messed up beyond your wildest imaginations, and he's just you know clambering through the through the desert, and it kind of does give you that uh that same feeling of like Alex towards the end being you know like smeared in dirt and blood, but the thing is is that Alex saw way worse things. He saw the apocalypse. <laughs> just sprawl out in front of him and when it came time to you know get his revenge he was so broken that he couldn't 
his revenge was the unloading of a rifle at a picture of Hitler that was cast down in a in a muddy puddle. Mm-hmm. And Daskal just everywhere he looked, he saw a villain or an enemy, and he fired at everything. And uh, you know, like overall, his inability to accept you know people that didn't look like him or uh accept the fact that uh perhaps his country was in the wrong or something of that nature you know and ended up leading to where he where he stood there at the end of the film i am glad that there was a uh, kind of a final uh confrontation mm-hmm. between the uh remaining crew members oh yeah yeah that's just it is that throughout that whole film Daskal essentially uh, puts all of his men to the axe, mm-hmm. you know, time and time again. Uh, and um, his um, his terrible decisions ended up leading to the deaths of more than just his tank crew. Yeah. You know, in, uh, in denying them salvation, he damned an entire helicopter crew uh, to death by not letting them know that there was a uh, pretty much no safe drinking water within miles because they'd been poisoning everything they came across, uh, in their attempts to, um, destroy or ultimately flee from the Muhajadin fighters that were tailing them, uh, because they torched and destroyed this village. Um, something I did want to kind of get into as well is actually a comparison of the, the film, uh, the kingdom, from uh, way back then is that like in short this is a very short comparison as I, I, I find myself being very long winded this episode <laughs> um, the kingdom was interesting because at first it kind of paints your, your American soldiers and people here as these kind of uh, fantastic war heroes that they could do no wrong and that why they're going there is because terrorists and yeah. bad things happening. Because terror. Yeah. The whole reason why they were going over there in the first place is because some soldiers, and uh, as well as uh, civilians that were married to soldiers, actually died in a uh, U.S.-established uh, kind of living area. Uh, it was also just kind of like locals as well you know like mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of civilian casualties and some soldiers as well died in the in, in amidst this uh car bombing and um one of the first things that is said to i believe jennifer garner's character is we're gonna kill as many of those motherfuckers as we can and it's like very much so presented to you as a hoo yeah america fuck the fuck the terrorists mm-hmm. you know we'll never forget <laughs> and, uh, you know, by the end of the film, you're realizing there's literally no fucking hero in this mm. whatsoever, that we have no reason to be doing what we're doing. And uh, there are no bad people. There's uh, a bad idea, but there is also the radicalization of a people whose home is being invaded, whose children are being killed, whose fathers are being killed. And at the end of the film, you see... Um, a child mourning the loss of his father while his uncle uh, leans over him and, you know, while also mourning his brother, looks to his his nephew and says, we're going to kill as many of those motherfuckers as we can. Whoa. And it just kind of like, uh, you know, I watched this fucking, oh, 
I don't know, like 15 years ago. And, and it was just like, huh, strange. Uh, but it was, it was also quite strange to actually see an American film, uh, paint something in that light. And, uh, in that I find that this movie is, it's hard to dissect because it could be trying to show us the the Muhajadin fighters as being this unlikely hero, that Constantine was part of the villains, the bad people group, and uh, it was his um, unconscionable actions of his comrades that made him turn to try and do some right, to, to exact some justice for, for these innocent people. But I see no heroes here i don't know it just um i'm not sure exactly what kevin reynolds was trying to portray to us i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah the message is not incredibly clear other than here's some atrocities the these these people are bad and bad things also happened then again we don't see uh we don't see the mujahideen like you know gas villages and like <laughs> oh yeah exactly yeah um using yeah. guerrilla warfare to try and push back an invading force is what we yeah. see we see just angry civilians trying to find the people who massacred their village yep which yep. i mean i think i I'm, I'm pretty sure in this film at least the uh, mujahideen are supposed to be very sympathetic yeah or definitely we're, feels we're supposed to be sympathetic, sympathetic with the mujahideen yeah i uh I definitely agree with that. Which I would say um, aligned with the American attitude at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so perhaps that was the angle that, you know, most people probably would have still missed back in 88. <laughs> whether uh, whether whatever news source you were listening to is like, and today, you yeah. know, the Mujahideen had succeeded in pushing back Soviet forces from the city of Kandahar. Burp, 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 burp. And this movie was supposed to be like, yeah go those guys but it's like what it's actually trying to do is slide the paper across the table and the guy sliding it is you know captain cia like aren't these people cool (laughs) don't you don't you think these people are pretty neat check out their stats yeah there's solid solid stats hmm what else to say you know (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more sucks, and then you die. S U X. Yeah. Uh, I do think it should have had a bigger audience. Oh yeah. Back yeah. then, the fact that you I mean, saw a this lot of massive it, loss at the box I would say the crazy. message still uh still applies today of course mm-hmm. as long as there is war you know you had also said something pretty interesting as well in that there is no true anti-war movie yeah i there was a there was a film director that said that um in like an interview i can't remember who it was unfortunately but it was a pretty prominent director i can't remember if they were american or f- like french or something but um, somebody, the person who was interviewing this director said, like, but what about, like, Paths of Glory, I think they mentioned, or, like, um, 
trying to think of, like, other war movies, but, like, they pretty much said that, like, just, it's so many, so, like, too often um, these war movies will depict war, but still, like, despite their best efforts, end up kind of glorifying it. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about Passive Glory, you haven't seen that movie mm-hmm. yet, have you? I have not. Um, I've been meaning to show that to you sometime, but... Basically, we see uh, Kirk Douglas's character as kind of like the uh, noble ideals of uh, like the French people, but um, just ultimately being ineffective. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's it's really hard to do, but when you know a, a tank turret rattling off machine gun fire and loading in shells to shoot and level an entire building looks cool as shit. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It all ends up just kind of feeling like the uh, the intro mission to a Call of Duty game. <laughs> I mean, like, even, even with um, what I would say the absolute effectiveness of Come and See... And, and the thing is, is that one other comparison that I wanted to draw to, from that movie to this one... There's a specific line and then a feeling that I actually am, uh, that I do not have here. So with with come and seen, come and see, sorry, uh, towards the end of that, all of the Nazis that we had literally just seen uh, bar a an entire farm building closed and then Molotov as people are screaming and crying. And, and dying, there's frags going off in the crowd, so people are being blown apart. Literally fucking awful. Now, the commanding officers and a couple other goons are caught by the um, Balkan forces uh, and, and put under a bridge and, like, doused in gasoline. And we, we still end up getting to see them get their, their vengeance. Uh, or justice, you know, however, however you see it, mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that we we still see this, there is a glorifying of this moment because you felt so compressed and pushed down by seeing that awful fucking scene. It's still a very um, ugly, ugly feeling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like yeah, these people probably deserved what they got, but still, we're you know celebrating people getting gunned down under a bridge. Yep. And that's just it, is that no one, someone in the crowd couldn't <clears throat> wait any longer for anyone to bring a torch or whatever it was to light these guys on fire. So they simply started shooting. Now everyone else was like, but I also want to shoot. And so then you had just a group of people firing at, uh, you know, it was essentially a civilian army firing in on the Nazi idea. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the the people behind this uh, very very atrocious act, and then our main character who doesn't fire at all, who never fires his gun at a living person the whole time, fires at the the father of the idea, the person who brought the people to his country with the ideas that they that they used on his people. You know, he fires at the portrait mm-hmm. and everything like that. And uh, through all of those things, he, he just could never fire at a person. Um, this is very much so the opposite of that uh, kind of idea. 
if we are to say if if Constantine is to be the main character overall to the Alex, you know, he is he he wants his badal as it's put in the film. Mm-hmm. He wants his blood for blood. Like you literally forsook your own men, you shot your own men and when I tried to defy you because you are unhinged and un well unfit to you know command these people you instead chain me to a a rock and put a fucking live grenade under my head um we still end up getting almost like this kind of rambo feeling because that guy still succeeds and uh two lines one when constantine stops the muhajadeen fighters from killing his three uh tank crew members that are alive um Kantaj asks Constantine in um his native tongue I don't know if you're an angel or a devil and at the end of the film we watch Constantine be lifted out of that valley by a helicopter as if he is literally <laughs> ascending to the heavens there's one way to look at it yeah he is literally saved and brought uh, some form of, um, you know, safety to the Muhajadeen forces by helping them destroy this tank. But you know, it's it's one of how many tanks? It's it's four out of how many people? I mean, uh, he left because you know he saw the remains of uh, one of his former comrades. Yep, and realized that. Yeah, even he even says to. Um, Con- the Contage is talking to him. He's just like, I don't understand you. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, he just straight up knew he I, didn't belong there. Yeah, and he, you know, he saw that. Yeah, that, that same thing would most likely uh, happen to me. Yeah, regardless of what he did. Yeah, and then we don't see any of this happen. Obviously, it's the movie ends when he's getting lifted off. Yeah, but uh, I mean, yeah, he could tell his rescuers anything basically, but it's just yeah. like. They could also see it as, like, a dereliction of duties. Yep. You know? He's still carrying this, you know, gifted musket. Yeah, that's, like, covered in, uh, like, the different, um... I don't know, there's there's probably a word for it, but essentially, like, the, the various charms and things. It's, it's, not, it's not a Soviet weapon. No. <laughs> it's not a British infield either. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like, uh, one other line is uh, Constantine going to Descal, saying, how does it feel? How does it feel now to be the Nazis from your childhood invading this place and having grenades and Molotovs dropped on you? Yeah. You know, like, you are leveling buildings. You are taking out villages. You are killing people, innocent people, or, you know, not. It, it just, regardless, you you are here as an invading force murdering and doing atrocious acts and the people of this country are fighting back you are the nazi now yeah and it's just like you see his face go like white with shock and recognition but at the same time you're kind of left with the idea of like he probably still doesn't necessarily feel that way because he was so blind with patriotism nationalism 
and uh, the idea of what he was doing there was good. It's yeah. it's what Russia wanted. Just like probably what interesting, you know, yeah, and and probably what um what uh the general sentiment was of most people going into the war on terror. You know, and that's why I liked the kingdom so much. It's like you paint all these people as the villain. Well, people that look like you wearing your colors also killed, you know, their whole family. And uh, blew up their school. And so everything they know is gone. You've you've created essentially uh, hundreds of Alex's from Come and See. But they are armed with the idea of this, you know, of, of radical, um, radical belief and revenge, you know? As somebody said earlier, it's just like, it seemed like, um, I haven't seen the kingdom, so I'm not trying to judge it too mm-hmm. hard, but it's just like a lot of movies that came out around that time. They were anti-war. Oh, where yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, we are doing imperialism, but we also Don't, feel bad. Yeah. But we and also feel bad. Feel bad, is bad ca- like the F and the B are capitalized. <laughs> yeah. We feel bad. Yeah, you had uh, you had brought up uh, Green Zone, and yeah. uh, a couple years, I believe it was a couple years after the Kingdom, uh, or just Kingdom, I think it was. Um, we had uh, you know Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker was cool. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's just what I, Hurt Locker. Uh, hmm. I don't want to talk about Hurt Locker right now, actually. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That was actually, yeah. kind of one of the movies then. I, um, yeah, there's a lot of other movies. That just generally have the sentiment of war is bad, but I don't think that anything really comes even relatively close to come and see as far as um To talk about the end it. of Hurt Locker, it's like this anti-war movie that ends mm-hmm. with the character after after finishing a tour. yeah. Uh, one of several. Yeah, can't uh, bear can't bear to live in the mundanity of like civilized society. Yeah, just the complete banality of civilian life. And then we last see him while uh, while uh, uh, Kyber Pass by Ministry starts uh, blaring into the theater. Yep. As he tries to decide what kind of cereal he, that he's supposed to. Play. No, he's walking back into. Like oh, another yeah, base, yeah. he's exiting up. We see like the the ramp That's of right, like a transport yeah. plane or helicopter. Yeah, because it dro- it drones out as he's making these like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah he's, do I want to buy honeycombs or, or Captain Crunch? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things. I think that that also kind of speaks well on it too, and that like these people that literally have only known war and have only seen atrocities, they just simply can't exist in a world uh that is like the world that we're used to i have more i want to say but i don't want to i feel like we're talking about every other movie but (laughs) the beast right now yeah Um, but the thing is is that this this is a message that is shared in in those films that also aligns with this film yeah along with a film that we had also previously covered what to your mind would you say the beast says or has done that these other movies haven't i think granted this movie came out first and these are all followed but like still so 
I'm going to encapsulate this in, in, a, in, a, in a little bit of a layer, but I'm going to give myself two fucking minutes, and I need <laughs> you to hold me to this, because I will just talk. Okay. All right? We all know this. I have an issue. Um, so two minutes, starting at uh, 45 <laughs> just, yeah. and some odd amount of time. Go ahead. Okay. So the beast of war is an idea within an idea within an idea with a message, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that the message is kind of lost among the cultural idea of the time uh, when it came out. So what we had said before, the idea of what we are supposed to view Soviet Russia as through the lenses of 1980s America. Real quick to interrupt, I do think it was brave to actually show... um, to, to actually have made this movie at that time. Oh, absolutely. And actually have, like, at least a few of the characters were sort of sympathetic in that tank crew, even oh, though they yeah. were, uh, you know, just following orders, I say, in, like, the... The quotes, The yeah. hardest air quotes. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's very interesting to see this film alongside the time in which we have uh, other pieces of media coming out, such as Call of Duty Cold War. <laughs> um, I think that it's very interesting to see what mass media uh, was coming out around that time about this topic, especially a topic that I don't know quite a bit about. Um, that being said... Yeah, I don't know if we like really mentioned this, but this movie came out while during, the war was yeah, still going on. And during the literal fall of the Soviet Union. At least, like, you know, you could see it from there. Yeah, it was literally two years after the Chernobyl incident that this film came out. Um... So the biggest thing here is that it does not quite come off as a piece against the Soviet ideas, right? Yeah, it's I wouldn't yeah, it's not like communism bad. Please like and subscribe, but like exactly. It gives you it tries to put you in that seat in the tank alongside those Soviet people, but also try and show you an unlikely hero. The hero that we are being told as the American people is the hero. These Muhajadin fighters are the hero because we made them the hero. Because they are actually just other people with American ideals implanted in them and pushed forward with our money against a country that is also backed up by three other countries, you know, trying to push all one idea onto one place. But the thing is, is that that message is not fucking there. It's not there at all. We see a man who's trying to shrug off the, uh, the mantle of uh, Russia to, to be his own man, to find freedom and what freedom means for him. And uh, in that, I almost feel like it's a, it's a propaganda piece that is shaped and fucking tried to sculpt into an idea of um, war bad. I think that it is actually a propaganda piece. I think that it's it's um, it's it's something where we are supposed to think oh, R- Russia is very bad in all of this, but everyone has, like we said before, too many fingers in the fucking pie. Yeah, and we should actually be able to look at this from the aspect of, wow, everyone really should have just stopped fucking with all these fucking people. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, if there was a civil war, then that, you know, just whatever, and then offer asylum to the fucking people that didn't want to be in the fucking middle of it. Yeah. But instead, you know, the beast of war happened. And many things like the beast of war happened. So that's, that's it right there. I think that it says a message that uh, these other movies didn't. Uh, but it's very, very, very buried 
in it. While I think these other films like Green Zone, Hurt Locker, The Kingdom, uh, fucking Jarhead, shit like that, that are anti-war, also do a fine job glorifying. Oh yeah, Jarhead war. especially. Yeah, not to, that gets you into that again. Yeah, I am. I will say this: I am always more fascinated by war films that show the perspective of American quote unquote enemies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would I would much rather see a movie about like uh disillusioned Confederate soldiers mm-hmm. than about, you know, the most happiest <laughs> Union soldiers. Yeah. Um I rewatched uh Das Boat recently. Yeah, you did, didn't you? That was Great just film. Uh, earlier this week. Great film. Um uh, Cross of Iron that is about German soldiers in World War II uh, retreating out of Soviet, uh, out of Russia. Yeah. And, you know, trying not to die. Yep. Um, there's more, but, like, uh, there's a, there's a, there was a 1992 film called Stalingrad, mm-hmm. which is pretty similar to Cross of Iron, but it just follows the 6th Army, the 6th German Army, as they were just utterly wiped out at Stalingrad. And, like, the last, like, hour of that movie is just them, like, like we need to desert we need mm-hmm. to get the fuck out of here like we we've already lost like yeah and it's just them wandering in the cold looting just doing everything they can to just not die um some german soldiers are like yeah let's surrender and then like the there we just the last we see of this group is just them getting rounded up and executed by the soviets because why would the fuck would the Soviets want to take any German prisoners after yeah. what they had just done? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I always find that uh, more fascinating. Yeah. To me, than say like, like not a, to like I mean like I always like what I admit I like watching German perspective uh, war movies even mm-hmm. though like I know even if they are like the nicest fucking people in the German army <laughs> what they're still serving even yeah. if they are the nicest Confederate fucking soldiers you know what their ideals yeah. uh, whether or not they um truly agree with them or not, even mm-hmm. though most Confederate soldiers, you can find a lot of their writings mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what they thought about slavery. Yeah. Uh, and just people of color in general. And, yeah, you kind of get an idea of who they were as people. Um, that is to say, not the not ideals that uh, don't really align with uh, mm-hmm. what you or I might think. But still, I always find that... Uh, I always just like to see that perspective. Just someone be like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I, I may have and gotten I, I, more... I would say that The Beast of War uh-huh. does that pretty well. It does that pretty well. And I wonder, actually, what kind of movie Beast of War would be if we saw it from, say, um, Golikov. You know, and, and it was just maybe changed just a smidge more. Yeah, like, wrenching the character of uh, Golikov, I felt like, was just very conflicted. He was, oh, like, yeah. he was absolutely in Why the Why the fuck can't we go home? Yeah. Why the fuck can't we go home? Why are we tying Constantine to a rock and putting a grenade under his head? Like, yep. And he's, like, just pleading. Yeah, he's... But Constantine is pleading with him, like, don't fucking leave me. Yeah, yeah. I would have much... Uh, I think that... It would have cranked up my experience as a, as a viewer and as well as just my overall interest in the film if we did get to see this from the perspective of Golikov and get more in the head of Golikov as all these things are going on. But it's in that that I realize that that is not actually what this film is for. It's not for us to see that like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a no sides are good sides. This is actually 
actually we're supposed to see that the Muhajadin are the right side and that the Russians are indeed the enemy here and that uh, Soviet ideals are the bad things here. That is why we also said you're Nazis mm. to them. But at the same fucking time, this is made by an American director yeah. with American ideals at, at part. I mean, our fucking Russian guys are speaking English. Very, yeah. And very, are, uh, very good American English. Yeah, and are more or less, uh, well, they, they, they continued to be great American actors. Uh, and, you know, like there were, there were some that went off to go do other things in other countries as well, yeah. But when it comes down to it, it is an American production of the American idea as far as what the Russian-Afghan war went like. I think Come and See works to its advantage so much more because coming from Klimov, being a man who... who uh, went through, you know, Stalingrad and, and knew everything that was going on. Yeah. And it's so, perspe- yeah, he, he wrote about has- a kid that he probably knew when he was young or thought about what if I yeah. wasn't the man I am and I was put in that situation. Yeah. Could, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And so it's, it's, uh, the perspectives are so much different here, but still enjoyable. And I think that, uh, the the film's true message is actually up for interpretation but i i certainly am going to be walking away from this with the idea that there are no sides here and that everyone was in the wrong or at least um oriented by somebody else and pushed and told go here and shoot them <laughs> dare i quote metal gear solid 3 and say oh, the uh, do it. Yeah. the enemies of today are the friends of tomorrow or maybe mm-hmm. it was the other way around it's been a while since i played metal gear solid 3 but yeah I'm it works sure. both ways as well yeah i mean of course yeah nice shoes by the way <laughs> <laughs> my shoes you notice my shoes a present from my daughter yeah so on and so forth kuwabara kuwabara <laughs> so yeah, uh, this uh, this 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 was a good time, and I really appreciate it, Nick. That was uh, that was really cool, and uh, thanks thanks for hitting us up and emailing us. I probably would have seen it sooner, but I had just got a new phone and had not uh, gotten our email on my phone yet. I really have no good excuse, <laughs> <laughs> um, except that I just I probably just got buried in all my other inboxes, right. Um, very very awesome you can you can watch this film i would rec- I, w- I would overall recommend this film it's oh, absolutely, I'd, I'd yeah. say it's pretty damn good it certainly um deserved a much better fate at the box office than yeah. uh, what it originally had um uh you can there's a, a good samaritan may or may not have uploaded onto a popular video streaming site i'm blaming um, you nick i think it's you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but we uh we watched it um, I, I just like after I read uh, this email I was like okay where can I watch this so I just like yeah. googled where it was streaming and it was on this app called Tubi which we have and you can download it you can watch it for free with ads so if you have a Playstation fucking 4 uh, you have like a two minute download Yep. and then you can watch it it's, it's just that easy yeah it really is and uh, I would recommend it I would recommend it and uh, I mean, I have like a like a Samsung smart TV. I know that the smart TV also has Tubi on it. You got options. Yeah, so you might not even need any sort of game system to download it. <laughs> it might just be there on your TV. But yeah, uh, great stuff. 
the Beast of War. You might see it as just the Beast. Uh, 1988. Kevin Reynolds. Great watch. Uh, fantastic recommendation. Uh, really, really enjoyed reading through your email, Nick. I really appreciate that. I know that Brent does too. And uh, anyone else listening, we are always up for any sort of um, materials that you think that we might enjoy. Any sort, sort of kind. Uh, you know what we cover here. Uh, we love to talk. And it's really nice when we have people that love to listen. So um, any any time whatsoever, any day. But, uh, you know, in the current climate, when we can, we'll <laughs> put out an episode. It'd be like that. It really do. Um, Brent, any closing words? I think I said everything I wanted to say. Honestly. Yeah, we, uh, we had a lot to say this episode. Damn. I know I did anyway. <laughs> I'm a fucking hot bag of air. I uh, I love. Uh, That's why I record with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You put me in front of anything, I'll just talk to it. It's what yeah. my family usually does. Sit me in the corner with teddy bear. I think that about does it. Um, yeah. Again, glad I watched it. Would recommend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And on that note, uh, we'll see you next time. That you will. Take care. Bye-bye.